Uh, so, I'm on the phone now to uh, Kurt Dahl in Vancouver, where he just told me that it's a lovely sunny day over there, uh, and I'm talking to him from a rather cold Northumbrian studio this evening. So, Kurt, how are you doing? I'm good, Alan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, obviously, we've been playing tracks uh, from your forthcoming album, uh, One Bad Sun album, um, and the listeners have been getting right into it, but we've never really heard of you before, you know, let's say two or three weeks ago when we first started playing the tracks. So, could you just tell us a little bit, a brief history of, of how One Bad Sun started and how you've got to where you are now? Yeah, you bet. Well, that's kind of the funny thing about uh, rock and roll these days is it takes a lot longer for a band to kind of get discovered. Um, you know, we formed in 2004, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, eight years ago yeah. now. And we've just been, you know, working our asses off, touring mm-hmm. Canada. And, uh, you know, we released uh, two albums through this uh, kind of smaller label based out of New York. And, uh, you know, they did it, they did it okay. You know, we, we toured a lot, kind of developed our, our live show and, you know, developed the songwriting and that kind of thing. And then we got, caught the attention of a label out here in Vancouver. So, you know, we moved from our home in Saskatoon, which is just like a small, small city in the middle of Canada. Um, you know, and basically, uh, decided to uproot everything and, and put our lives into the band and put our lives on the line. And, and moved from Saskatoon to Vancouver, which is, you know, it's about like a 20-hour drive. Okay. Um, so not that not that far, but you know, we kind of we drove we drove across the country to to get to our new home. Sure. And uh, and then so once we got here, we um, we basically signed a record deal right away with a, a label called 604 Records. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we're going to release that third album, our first with them, but the third overall. And one week from today, so we're pretty we're pretty stoked, and things are starting to happen. You know, it's like yeah. after it's like we're a classic uh, eight year overnight success. <laughs> and, and has it been the same lineup for the last eight years, or have you had? Uh, we've had the same three guys, like uh, myself on drums, Shane on, on vocals, and uh, Adam Hicks on guitar. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, a few different bass players, like kind of in the early days. It was kind of like the Spinal Tap drummer thing, you know, we kept uh, losing bass players. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we found uh, the guy that plays with us now, his name's Granny, his nickname's Granny, and, uh, you know, he's been in the band for, I think, five years now, so, I mean, he's, you know, the band, once he, once he joined, the lineup was complete, and we've been kind of the classic four-piece ever since, you know, like, we, we draw... From our influences, like the, the, the great four pieces, like you uh-huh. know, Zeppelin and the Who, and uh-huh. you know the Chili Peppers and Raging Against the Machine and that sort okay. of thing. Excellent. And so you you moved um, to, to Vancouver, as you say. And it, were you all living as a, as a unit then? Is it the the classic? You know, let's get a house together and work as a band. And well, we actually we we, we did that in Saskatoon. We did it for like two years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, looking back, it was. You know, that was kind of the, the formative period for the band. Like we really, like literally lived and breathed and played music and ate all together, right? And, and did that for a couple of years, and that's really what kind of took us from just being a, you know, a decent band to something that I think, you know, we really bonded as brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like we all started to lose our minds a bit because we're <laughs> always with our bandmates 24/7, kind of. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone, to be honest. 
Um, so we did that, and it was great. But then once we moved out to Vancouver, I was like, to hell with you guys. I'm not going to live with you guys again. <laughs> um, you know, you're on your own. So we all we all have our own place. So it was right. like, you know, right. we, we all rent different places and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's... Um, it's you know, nice to have, have a break now and again. Mate. Yeah, what's that? I said it's nice to have a break now and again from your from your bandmates. Yeah, you can only wash your bandmates' dishes so many times before you <laughs> lose your mind. And... <laughs> I, I, I sense from that that uh, you were the one that had to wash all the dishes then, were you, Kurt? Well, you know, it's a typical drummer thing, you know. It's like i got to take care of everyone, you know. It's a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that. You, know? you, you must be an untypical drummer then, because most of the drummers I've ever met, they don't take of any, care of anybody. They have to be taken <laughs> care <true>. of. <laughs> no, fair enough. I guess I'm, I'm not the typical drummer, I guess. You, you, do, you do strike me as, as, as a fairly... I mean, you, see, you seem to be the one that's uh, dealing with all the social media side of things and, you know... D- Bigging up the album and stuff, and doing the promotion and, and things like that. Is that a a thing that a role in the band that you you take? Sort of, you know, is it is it something that you you look as your job sort of thing within the band to be the promotion um, and things? Or well, I think we all we all kind of handle different things, you know. And it's like like I think any band you have to each guy has to has diff, have have a different role, yeah. that sort of thing. And I mean, I think we all like, the other guys are getting more and more into that sort of stuff and. I mean, it just happens that, you know, I've, I kind of like doing that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, these days it, it's so important. I mean, it's all about just getting getting exposure, you know. Like, yeah. like you said, you know, until three weeks ago you hadn't heard of us, you yeah. know. And, and, now, and now it's like, it's all about just getting this rock and roll. It's become such a, a niche, it seems, which is kind of sad. But mm. it's like those, those that love rock and roll just really love it, you know. Yeah. Once, you, once you're... Once you're into a great rock and roll band, it's like you're a fan for life. You yeah. Know? So we just yeah. gotta. Our job is, you know, we're not trying to become big, huge stars as far as like fame-wise. We mm-hmm. just want to get a, get exposure to all those great rock and roll fans. Sure. Out there. And if we can do that, I think we'll. Um, I think we'll be able to do this for the rest of our lives. Sure. And and do you think that maybe if you come over to Europe, like a lot of American bands obviously do, and uh, recently like the Rival Sons. Have come over from America, done really well in Europe, and are probably going to head back to America in a much bigger, you know, headlining act over there because of what they've done over here, sort of thing. Is that something that you're thinking you would like to try and, and achieve to, to come over to Europe first, maybe, and get some European gigs under your belt and stuff like that, and get a bit of a buzz going, and then go back over to the States and Canada and stuff? Or yeah, definitely. Like I've always kind of, and in my mind, it's like I've always kind of romanticized Europe and its love of rock and roll because like mm-hmm. my favorite band my favorite band of all time is The Who right and okay. so I always like listen to, every time I picture playing in in the UK I picture like live at Leeds okay know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's a lot you know, smaller and, than uh, you imagine though when you get there <laughs> <Sadly>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does seem like there's like this you know rock and roll at least in America it's, right now it's kind of well to me it's in a pretty horrible state to be honest like it's right it's whereas in, in england or in, in the uk and in europe in general it kind of seems like there's still more demand i mean there's still is horrible pop music everywhere in the world and i'm sure, sure. there's no exception in in, in, in the, the uk, UK yeah. but it seems like i don't know it just seems like there's more rock and roll there and again growing up on on the who and zeppelin and the stones and the kinks i love the mm. kinks you know it's it's like i think we could i mean it'd be a great 
plan for OBS to come there and kind of just tour the club scene yeah. and then come back to, to North America. Yeah. You know? And 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 the scene in in North America, Canada, sort of thing. Is is there? A, I mean, you're saying that obviously there's a lot of pop music and stuff like that. But is there a good rock scene? I mean, I'm trying to think of other bands. Canadian, obviously, Rush, uh, Danko Jones are Canadian, and they and we had uh, Triumph and things like that. But is is there well, a big I rock scene? I guess the tough thing right now, it seems like there's kind of two extremes. On one extreme, there's like the overproduced kind of macho rock that just has, has no brain and no soul mm-hmm. and then there's like on the other side of the spectrum is like the really hip kind of flavor of the week uh, indie bands you know, right where, okay you know it's the really the hipster kind of stuff yeah. right and and one and one bad sound is neither of those right yeah. we're a rock and roll band that yeah. is trying to carry the torch from yeah. like i said from the zeppelins the aerosmith the who's the pearl jams the guns and roses like those mm-hmm. kind of bands mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so we're not we're not what's being played on the radio per se over here um but we're starting to change that you know i think people once they see us live they all of a sudden get it you know it's like, yeah. okay this is a this is my kind of rock and roll band you know um if we could if everyone if everyone could see us play live we'd be we'd be sad but fortunately it doesn't really it doesn't happen that yeah usually. yeah and uh, have you had any like support gigs with with uh but i know you said uh when we were talking on facebook about um who would you support? It? Not Blackstone Cherry, uh, Book Cherry. Uh, Book Cherry, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's our live shows that have really kind of opened the doors for us. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just kind of won this contest to open for Godsmack back right. in like 2007. Uh-huh. So we just they had this they did this tour where it went across Canada and in every city they just had the local bands kind of enter a contest and then listeners got to vote on who should open for them, which is kind of a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we won that, so that was great. Open for them, you know, in front of like, I don't know, three or four thousand or something. That was kind of cool. And then, and then someone in the crowd that night was a promoter for, for Buck Cherry or was doing the Buck Cherry show, so he had us open for them. And so the, the, those kind of opening shows are just, again, it's all about just exposing us to, to a bigger audience of rock fans. And, um, either they do that through, you know, a hit on the radio or, or you get to open for a bigger band and then mm-hmm. kind of just word of mouth spreads, you know. Okay. And so the, the new album, as you said, it's out next week and on the 25th of September. A week today, in fact, isn't it? So, um, and I, I'm sure I read somewhere that it, it, it felt like this was the, the new beginning as such. Although you've had two albums out already, this was kind of where, when people look back, they'll think that's where One Bad Son started as such. Is that right? Would you would you say this is kind of like a new, fresh start for the for the sound of the band and things like that? Or yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you know we've been we've been kind of taxiing on the runway for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been we moved here two years ago, and you know these songs have been ready for a while, and the album's all done now, and it's about to get released. I think for a lot of people, I guess this is our introduction. to on on like the the pro level, you know, we'll be okay. up against up against all the big bands that we're, you know, that we've that we look up to and that sort yeah. of thing. Whereas, you know, so I think for a lot of people, this will be their introduction to One Bad Son, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we're and we're ready for it. You know, we've been doing this for eight years, and beyond that, you know, we've dedicated our lives, like you know, to, to music and to rock and roll, and and we're uh, we're ready to step in the ring. 
Okay. And and so how did the album come about? Did you uh, record it all together? Did you write the songs and then record it? Or, you know, did you come up with the ideas in the studio? Was it a mixture of everything? Or? Yeah, it was a mixture of everything. Like, we, the four of us all kind of write the old-fashioned way, which is like, well, we jam a ton mm-hmm. and we throw out, you know, riffs and, that's, and beats and melodies and just kind of see what sticks. And then we kind of take those songs and once they're in the studio, you know, obviously everything takes a takes on a whole, you know, the studio is a whole different beast, right? It's mm-hmm. once you get there, it's kind of taking that, that that shell of a song and kind of making the most of it, you know, taking it to pumping it eleven, yeah, yeah. And it's it's definitely a much more. Uh, I mean, I have listened to some of your earlier stuff to, uh, in preparation for tonight, sort of thing, and. This new album, it's obviously it's much more highly polished, uh, and the, you know it's got better hooks and, and stuff like that. That's not to, to diss your last stuff because actually I quite liked a lot of the, the earlier stuff as well. It was quite, I don't know, bluesy Sabbath in a way. Some of it was it was was nice. Um, so, did the did the guy that was producing it, did he come in and say, right, look, we're going to get rid of this bit and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and and really you know, chop out all the fat as such and just give it a lean, mean sound, or did you already have that in mind? Yeah, I think it was, a, you know, a combination of both, because like any good producer will, will, like you said, trim the fat, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, it's very valuable, but at the same time, you have to kind of retain your, what it is that makes you, that, 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 that something sound. that makes you yeah. special as a band, you know? And so for us, I mean, it's always balanced, so we want to make sure it's, it's, it sounds big and sounds massive like Zeppelin or, or The Who, but yeah. also retains that sort of rawness. Cause, yeah. you know, like a Zeppelin or The Who or, or Hendrix, they look all this big sound, but it's also raw. So it's kind of this trade-off. You have to keep it, keep the sound big, but keep it kind of that crazy energy, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, and that's what we really had to fight for. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of rock bands, people don't really know this, but a lot of bands, uh, do a lot of tricks in the studio, right? Or they, yeah. they're not actually, either they auto tune or they'll, they'll correct, they'll, yeah, uh, one band. Or the drummer's not even playing the, the fills, it's all just computerized drum fills and yeah. that sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty sad, to be honest. But, so this album, it's all, it's none of that garbage, it's all just the real deal, four guys playing their, their instruments and, and obviously working our asses off to make, make it sound great. Okay. So you can hand on heart say no auto tune was used on this album. Sorry, say it again. I'm saying you can hand on heart say that no auto tune was used on this album. Then. Well, I mean, I think I, mean, I think there was like, you know, if you're little if you're bit, a, if, Shane's, <laughs> if, if Shane's hitting or like for guitars, for example, say if one little string is slightly out of tune, I think yeah. they, I don't know. I think there's some little things where the yeah. computer might just tweak it a touch of the, the one guitar strings in but yeah. I mean it's um, it's not big time use of it yeah exactly yeah, right yeah. You, yeah it's not a crutch right like it's something yeah. to bring them bring the most out of the song if one little thing's out but it's not I think a lot of bands and artists just rely on it yeah they, to make them to make them have talents right and that's yeah yeah us. play it and then go but you can fix that can't you to the producer exactly yeah 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 Okay, so let's let's talk about some uh, some of the tracks on the album. I'm just going to pick sure. three three that uh, took my ear for for sure. Uh, so the opening track, "She's on Fire." Then how how did that come about? What's it about? 
Well, I mean, lyrically, that's obviously, I mean, Shane writes all the lyrics, so I mean, he'd be the guy to describe it, the lyrics, but I mean, for my, I mean, that's one song that I think we can all, everyone in the band can really relate to uh, from a lyrical standpoint is it's just about being on the road and, you know, life on the road and how, um, you know, it's just like, like it's a train, you can't slow down, right? Once you're out there, it's, um, it just becomes your life and that's, uh, uh, musically, um, you know, I think it's kind of communicated in the song. It's just kind of this, it's like a, it's an epic road song. Hmm. Um, and so the she, you know, I think a lot of people think it's maybe a, a girl or something, but, um, at least my interpretation of it is that it's more about kind of that muse that, you know, being on the road. Okay. Some great slide playing on that track. Is that something that we're going to hear more of in, in, Later songs uh, in some some other songs in the set. Well, good. I mean, good question. I mean, it was kind of something we don't typically use that sort of stuff, right? Like, um, it was kind of a new thing for us. So mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, it could be something. I, I think that the thing about OBS is that we're always we're always trying to push ourselves and, and write. Like I said, write songs that are on par with like our idols. Like, say, for example, Zeppelin. People mm-hmm. always think they just. They only wrote heavy songs, but some of the best stuff is like acoustic or it's kind of out there, like something like cashmere. And so we're always trying to just push ourselves and not just be a typical guitar band, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay, another track then. Um, one with an English slant, perhaps. London Kills. What about that one? Yeah, this one, you know, it came about, it was actually the last song we, uh, wrote for the album. It's actually one of my favorites, but, we kind of just had this really heavy, you know, Hicks had this really heavy riff, and I just loved it. It kind of reminded me a bit of Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, with a bit of kind of like, you know, really heavy white stripes almost, sort of uh, just this garagey. Yeah, the fall of the floor. Sound. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I just started stomping out the beat, and then this is just in our, in our jam space, you know, and all of a sudden Shane started just. The melodies kind of came out of nowhere. We literally wrote the song in in ten minutes, and um, which doesn't usually happen that way. I'll say. Um, uh, so it basically was like I think we were going to hit the studio a few weeks later, and we thought we already had the lineup for the album, and that was kind of a last minute thing. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's got this sort of rawness that I I think has uh, you know. That's what we're always striving for, is that sort of rawness, that that, that unpredictable element of rock and roll. Mm. I think London Kills mm. really sums that up. Excellent. It sounds to me, London Kills, like it could become an audience favourite, or it may already be an audience favourite with your Canadian fans. Am I, have you put it in the set so far, or is it...? Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, Ali. If we always finish the set with it. It's, like right. it's the one that just that tears the roof off, you know, and... Um, yeah, and we actually will do that live at the end of the set, and then typically what we've been doing lately is we bust right into uh, Voodoo Child by Hendrix. Right. And, uh, and you know, obviously there's some sort of, I mean, lyrically, I, I'm not, again, not exactly sure what where Shane's, uh, you know, what what his thoughts are on, on the, the lyrical meaning of the song, but to me it's kind of got this, uh, what do you, especially when you do that, when it go from, Voodoo Child or Hendrix, sorry, London Kills into Voodoo Child. It kind of yeah. takes on this meaning of, you know, London, the city of London, mm-hmm. and how it kind of, you know, can can kill a rock and roll star. You know? 
Um, it is the anniversary of his death today, actually, isn't it? 1970. Oh, is it? Yeah, it was September the 18th, 1970. Bizarrely, there you go. Oh, that's that's a crazy coincidence. Yeah. So, but yeah. Anyways, to answer your question, it's it is it has become definitely a fan favorite and and a band favorite. I love beating the hell out of the drums. Okay. Way. So that the might answer my next question, which is on the album, what's your favorite track? Well, I mean, I would say it's probably you know it always changes, right? Like any like any music uh, when I'm talking about my favorite song on the album I, I talk about it as if I'm, as if I'm a fan I'm uh -huh. not just uh, not not involved in it you know and, um, I don't sit back and listen to the album that much thankfully I, I got you know once you record so, I yeah you, you've beat. sat in a studio for months listening to the same song you'd... yeah, it's, yeah. it, it kind of drives you a bit crazy yeah. to go back and listen to it more but yeah. but I, I mean the ones that I think that when I listen to it kind of as a as a, as a fan or as a un related person to, to the songs which I try to do to see what the listeners might be, be feeling um, Running Kills and then, and then Scarecrows is kind of a it's got, it got to something that I can't put my finger on as far as what it is about it and uh, so I'd have to say Scarecrows is, got, is up there as well Okay, 